0: You are listening to the audio ministry for More Nations Church, Cardiff. What a, what a privilege it is to read the Word of God together. I'm going to read a story from the Gospel of Luke. It begins in verse 1 of Luke 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the Word of God, He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, and the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they'd done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Debedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let's pray a moment, shall we? Lord, we thank you for your word. Yes, we thank you that you are the God of your word. Uh, that it's your word and it belongs to you, that you wrote it, you breathed it, you inspired it, and we are your people and we love your word. And we ask this morning that you would open it to us afresh, Lord, that we would know you better, that we'd be more fruitful for your service. And we pray right now that your word, your unchangeable, powerful, demonstrable word, would find a living place in our hearts right now. We thank you that the seed of the word of God always produces a hundredfold fruit when it finds the right kind of soil. So therefore, Lord, find good soil in our hearts this morning. Soil that believes your word, that trusts your word, that is willing to persevere even in challenge. For we know that your word is true, O Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. What a fantastic story this is. A group of fishermen taking uh, lessons from a carpenter. On how to catch fish. Put out into the deep. And let down your nets for a catch. Said Jesus. And Peter says. Master. We have toiled all night. And caught nothing. Aren't you glad he didn't stop there? That would have been the end of the story. Wouldn't it? But at your word. At your word. I will put down the nets. The title of my message this morning is that, At Your Word. And I want to ask us a question this morning. What place does the Word of God have in your life? Where does the Word of God fit into your life? Is it something on the periphery? Is it something on the outside that kind of you fit in every now and then? Or is the Word of God the very central hub of all you're living for and doing. If Jesus said to you this morning, put down your nets, would you say to him, Lord, I've toiled and caught nothing? Or would you say, Lord, at your word, I will put down the nets? I want to show you a couple of things about the word of God this morning, and then we're going to look at this story of Peter and how he obeyed Jesus, and we're going to put some little practical things in our lives, okay? So I'm going to tell you some things that you already know, but it's always good to hear what we know, isn't it? I want to remind you of the power and the authority and the amazing, uh, amazing privilege we have of having this word. The word of God is amazing. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to tell you some things that you already know because I want to establish um, in your hearts and minds this morning the power and the fantastic wonder of the word of God. Do you know the word of God? Do you know the Bible is the only book we have in this world that was inspired and breathed out by God? Did you know that? The Bible was breathed out by God. (laughs) No other book was breathed out by God. Amazing, isn't it? Not even the Harry Potter novels were breathed out by God. Not even your favorite Christian author, Tozer, Bill Johnson, Roger Aubrey, none of them, none of their, their writings were breathed out by God in the way that the Bible was breathed out by God. And the Bible tells us that. I'm, I'm not making it up. Let's look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. There's some really good 316s in the Bible, and this is one of them. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Say that with me. All Scripture, All scripture. is breathed out by God. Amazing, isn't it? All Scripture, even Leviticus, even the list of names in Chronicles, even Job that I've been reading this week. Um, What a book Job is. You you read Job, it's 40-something chapters long, and James the Apostle in the New Testament um, summarizes it in one sentence. He says, remember the steadfastness of Job. I've just read 42 chapters of it, is that all I needed to know? (laughs) But all Scripture is breathed out by God. All of it, which means for me, it must have a place in my life that no other book is allowed it's more precious to me than any other book I could read because nothing else is breathed out by God. I know you know this so let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. Let me tell you something else you already know. That the word of God not only breathed out by God but it remains living and active. The word of God is living and active today and now. Amen? Amen? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, the word of God is living and active. Say with me, the word of God is living and active. Good. Not was living and active, not will be one day for someone else. The word of God is living and active. Let's go back to the verse, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Do you know the Bible reads you when you read it? Often we read the Bible and sometimes, occasionally you may say, oh, I didn't get anything out of the Bible this morning. Didn't get anything out of the preacher this morning. Do you know the Bible reads you while you're reading it? It's judging the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Have you ever wondered if the Bible says to you, I'm not getting much out of you this morning. (laughs) The Bible is the only book that reads you while you're reading it. It's judging your thoughts and your intentions as you're reading the Word. God knows whether you believe His Word or not as you're reading it. You can't hide it, can you? Because the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than 3D. It's more precise than high definition. It's bigger than IMAX. It's living and active. Yes. Very good. Now, I know you know this, so let me tell you something else that I know you already know. 1 Peter chapter 1. The Word of God is breathed out by God. The Word of God is living and active and the Word of God never changes. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. We're going to read verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of the grass The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Say that with me. The word of the Lord Lord remains forever. forever. How long? How long? Not not a thousand years? Not two thousand years? Not five thousand years? How long? The word of the Lord remains forever so is it remaining today is it alive today is it living today is it breathed out by God today my goodness we're in for an adventure then aren't we so let me ask you again what place does this God breathed living and active and eternal word have in your life let's go back to our friend Peter shall we what did it mean for Peter what did it mean for Peter? What did it mean for Peter when Jesus gave him a command? What place did the word of God, what place did the command of Jesus have in Peter's life? Well, it was so important to Peter that he was willing to overcome four things. The first thing was this. Peter was willing to overcome physical tiredness to see the word of God fulfilled in his life. You see, they'd been up all night. All night. Has the word of God ever come to you when you're tired? And you think, I don't want to do what it says, I'm tired. But you know what? The word of God is stronger than your natural strength. Peter overcame physical tiredness to see the word of God fulfilled. We've been up all night, but at your word, I'll put down my nets. You know, for Peter, the word of God was stronger in his heart than practical inconvenience. You see, he'd just put his boat away and he'd been washing his nets. Imagine that, you've been up all night, you've washed You've nothing in the nets, you've washed them, you've put them away. And now someone comes along and says, put the, put the nets out for, to catch a fish. I've just cleaned my nets. Why didn't you say to me when the nets were still ready for use? I've just washed them. But, Jesus, but Peter says, Master, at your word, I'll put out the nets. You see, the word of God was stronger in Peter's life than any practical inconvenience. Yeah. God ever told you to do something that inconveniences you? I'll leave that for your own imagination. You know, the word of God was stronger in Peter's life, stronger in his heart, than any personal disappointment he'd ever faced. You see, it wasn't only that they'd been up all night and they were tired. It wasn't just that they had put their nets away and that was an inconvenience. They caught nothing. They caught nothing. Have you ever had one of those days at work where nothing has gone right. Yeah, have you ever had one of those days? Yeah. Everything breaks, the computers aren't working, or orders don't come in, or the car breaks down. Or Yeah, you have those days? Cast your, mind back to, cast, cast your mind back to one of those days in work when it's not gone well. The business is failing. There's no money to pay the staff. Everything, everything has failed. That's the kind of day that Peter just had. They caught nothing. No thing. No fish. They'd been out all night, and they caught nothing. That is a bad day for a fisherman. They must have been angry, must have been tired, must have been frustrated. But they'd been out working hard all night, and they'd not caught a single fish. Not even, you know, not even a tiny little goldfish, not even an old boot, not even a lawnmower that someone's discarded you know, by the canal or something. They'd caught nothing. That must have been really, really disappointing you ever had anything disappointing happen to you? Ever put your hopes on something and it's not come to pass? And you thought, I'm just going to give up now. Peter felt like that. Wanting to give up, wanting to go home. But you know what? He says, Master, at your word, I'm willing to overlook personal disappointment. You know, the word of God is stronger to you today than any personal disappointment you've ever faced. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But our God is able to restore any hope. Amen. Right. A dream fulfilled is a tree of life. That's the second half of that verse. You know, Peter overcame personal embarrassment as well. You see, imagine if they'd caught nothing again. Imagine if they'd gone back out into the, into the sea, they'd cast their nets down like Jesus had said. I mean, this guy's just a carpenter. What does he know about catching fish? They put their nets down and they don't catch anything. They would have looked stupid, wouldn't they? I mean, there's a whole crowd of people around. Jesus is preaching the word to them. Think how stupid James and, and, and John and Peter and Andrew could have looked. They could have feared for their reputation. Well, thank you for the advice, Jesus, but we're the fishermen here and we've caught nothing, so we're going home. No, the word of God was so powerful for Peter in his life That he was willing to risk personal embarrassment to see the word of God fulfilled. Peter allowed the words of Jesus their proper place. And because he obeyed, he overcame physical tiredness, practical inconvenience, personal disappointment and potential embarrassment. So I want to talk to you this morning, very briefly, about how you allow the word of God its proper place in your life. Because as we're going to see when we come to an end, if you have the Word of God in the right place in your life, everything you do can prosper. So first thing I want to say to you, they're all very simple this morning, is learn to love and value the Word of God. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 19. These are all very simple. I'm going to give you the today. I'm not going to give you any Bible reading plans or top 10 tips on how to get lifetime prophecies or anything like that. I'm just going to give you some simple things that I've done that have helped me get the Word of God in its proper place in my life. And when I've made mistakes and allowed the Word of God to drift away from its proper place, these are the things I've done to make it right again. So the first thing I want to say to you is this. Learn to love and value the Word of God. Do you love Jesus? Then you will love his Word. The word of God and the nature of God are inextricably linked. Psalm 138 says, You have exalted above all things your name and your word. If you love Jesus, you'll love his word. So Psalm 19 and verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. You know, the Bible encourages us to love the Word of God even more than we love natural food and natural resources. The Word of God is to be desired in our lives more than gold. Anybody like having gold? Anybody here like having money? Yeah, I like having money. It's better than not having money, isn't it? (laughs) Ask someone who doesn't have any money if they'd like to stay without any money, and then you find out whether people like having money or not. I'm not talking about loving money this morning. I'm not talking about worshiping money or possessions this morning. But it's great to have money. It's great to have um, money that I can use to meet my needs, to pay for food and clothing to pay my mortgage. Isn't it great to have a God who supplies all these things? And yet the Word of God tells us that we are to value His Word more than any gold, anything that we could have, any practical means of supply. The Word of God is more important to us than that. The Word of God is more important to us than honey, the sweetest and finest of foods. The Word of God is more valuable to us than any natural food. We'd rather go without natural food in our day than go without spiritual food, wouldn't we? We love the Word of God. Let me show you something in Psalm 112. I can't make you love the Word of God. I can't make you value the Word of God. You have to do that for yourself. I can't flick a switch in your mind that will help you love the Word of God and value it. But I'm doing my best this morning to impart something to you that that I want to to see you um, fulfill, which is that you love and value the Word of God. Psalm 112 verse 1 says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. You know, if you delight yourself in the commandments of the Lord, you're blessed. You're blessed. You are blessed. The man who fears the Lord and delights himself in the commandments of God is blessed. Let me show you some of the things that are repercussions then of loving and valuing the word of God. Let's keep reading this psalm. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved, he will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. We'll stop there for a moment. Can you see all the things that happen in your life as you fear God and delight yourself in his word? Wealth and riches are in your house. Your children and your children's children are blessed. You are gracious and merciful. Another translation says full of compassion and you're righteous. As you fear God and delight yourself in His commandments, you will never be afraid of bad news. Your heart will be steadfast, you'll never be afraid, and anyone who stands against you as an adversary, you will triumph over them. That's what loving the Word of God does for you. You know, my wife and I had to prove this scripture in our lives a couple of years ago, because this was the psalm the Lord gave us when we were pregnant with our first child. And we were very, very excited about having a baby. And and this was the the word that God gave us and we held on to it and we were praying over it. And then um, maybe six months or so into the pregnancy, I was away working. I was in another part of the country. And my wife telephoned me and said, I've got to go into hospital because I haven't felt the baby kick for two days. And that was quite unusual. If you've ever seen our children, they're very, very active. And our daughter hadn't moved in the womb for two days, hadn't made any kind of response and this was very unusual for her at the pregnancy. And when she phoned me, she was on her way to the hospital with my men. And I was away. I was up in the north of England. And I was on my own. I was in, in the office waiting for someone to pick me up, to take me out for dinner. And everyone else had left for the day. It was just me waiting. And there was no one with me. There was no one I could call. Um, and I thought, what am I going to do? My wife and my unborn child are going to the hospital. And I don't know what to do. I can't get in the car and drive down there. And then suddenly... The word came back to my mind. And I thought, this is the promise that God has given us. That I will not be afraid of bad news. My heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. My heart will be steady. I won't be afraid. And I'll look in triumph on my adversaries. So I stood up in the room that I was in. And I declared the word. I remember pointing my finger at the wall. <laughs> just declaring the word. And the moment I declared the word, my, my, my mind and my heart was filled with peace. Went out for dinner with my friend, and, and very casually in the evening, Saskia and said, "Everything's fine," but we knew everything was going to be fine already because we knew that the word was going to work. The word of God that you love and you value will prove itself in times of testing. So the next thing I want to say to you: these are all very simple. You can do them um, yourself. Is not only learn to love and value the word of God, but let the word of God form your thoughts and your speech. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. These, are, I'm sure, are all things that you already know, and many of them you already do, but we are blessed if we do what we hear, aren't we? The Word of God is designed to form your thoughts and your speech. In other words, it is possible for you now, for the rest of your life, to think every thought you ever have will be in, can be in line with the Word of God. And everything you ever say can be in line with the Word of God. Everything you ever confess can be in line with the word of God. Positive, full of faith. No bitterness, no criticism, no malice. You can be a person who confesses the word of God. Joshua chapter 1 then, very famous um, story in the Bible of of Joshua being prepared to take the Israelites into the land of promise. And God gives them some very clear instructions. We won't read all of them. But in verse 8, God says this to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. The book of the law shall not depart from where? Your mouth. The book of the word of the Lord will not depart from where? Your mouth. And you shall meditate on it day and night. What are you going to do day and night? You're going to... We'll come back to that in a second so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then, here we go, you ready? Drum roll. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Amen. Who wants to be prosperous? Amen. No, no, I didn't ask you to put your hands up. Who wants to be prosperous? Amen. Who wants to succeed? Amen. Yeah? Because the word's not going to depart from your mouth, is it? Yep. Yeah? The Word of God can motivate all your thoughts and all your words if you do what this scripture says. Don't let it depart from your mouth and think about it day and night. I was sick in my body a couple of weeks ago, the week before last, and all my family were away. I was lying in bed um, late one night with incredibly bad stomach pains. And um, for a moment I thought, what am I going to do? I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get to sleep and there's no one here who can help me. And a verse of scripture came to my mind. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. What's that got to do with me being ill? Well, I thought, well, that's the word. I'm going to confess it. So I began to say it. Then I began to think about it. His divine power has given me everything I need for life and godliness through my knowledge of Him. Everything I need. Everything I need, His divine power has given me. I've not given it to me. His divine power has given it to me. Th- and before I knew it, I was asleep. Fell fast asleep. Because I wasn't focusing on the circumstance. I wasn't focusing on the pain. I was meditating on the Word of God. Focus your faith on the Word of God. If you're facing a challenge of sickness, find a scripture that promises you healing and meditate on it and confess it until you see a change. If you're facing challenges in your finance, the word is full of promises that you can confess and meditate on that will prove God right in your finances. you've got children who are away from God, find a promise in the word that says you and all your household shall be saved and think about it and confess it until you see them come home. My dear friends, the word of God is never, ever going to change. So if you have a circumstance that doesn't line up with the word... The circumstance has got to change. Amen. Amen. It's got to change. In fact, tell the circumstance it's going to change because it has to. Amen. Remember, a couple of years ago, the Lord gave us a promise in our lives and we shared it with some of our friends, and then everything in our life happened contrary to that promise. I thought, what on earth is going on? Everything seemed to be going wrong. Everything we tried to do was failing. And I thought, God, you gave us this promise. And he said, yes. Are you going to believe my word? Are you going to believe the circumstance? And I said, Lord, I'm going to believe your word. Do you know the circumstances didn't change straight away? But my attitude towards the circumstances changed. Because I was expecting the word to be fulfilled. And do you know what? Every single one of those circumstances turned around. Why? Because the word of God is never going to change. The word of God is Going to remain forever. So if you have a promise, you can hold on to it, no matter the difficult circumstances. You can say, Lord, I've been up all night toiling, but at your word, I'll put my nets back into the sea. Now, you'll love this next one. T shared this this with us last week as well. Put the word of God into practice. Turn with me to the book of James. you want the word of God to be at the right place in your life, learn to love it and value it. Let it control your thoughts and your speech and do it. I like doing the word. Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances. So I give thanks in all circumstances. Bible says, bring the the whole tithe into the storehouse. I bring the whole tithe. Sometimes it's good to do a study in the Bible and you can call it God's part, my part. So you can look at all the things that you have to do. So I bring my tithe. God's responsibility is to rebuke the devourer and pour out the blessings of heaven. I don't have to do that. I just do my part. I bring the tithe and the Lord does the rest. Find out what you have to do in the word and do it and God will take care of the rest. Okay, verse 19 of James chapter one. Know this, my beloved brothers, for every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. In the words of Mary, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30 at the same time. Because, Deuteronomy chapter 30, because sometimes then you say, well, I can't do the word. That's fine for God to tell me to do the word, but it's too hard. It's too difficult. I've heard the word, but I can't do it. It's, the cost is too big. The challenge is too big. Um, practically speaking, I can't do it. Do you know the Lord never, ever tells you to do something you can't do? Even in the law, as we'll see, the Lord knew his people could perform his word. Deuteronomy chapter 30, and verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off, say not too hard. hard. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Turn to someone around you, look them in the eye and say, you can do it. The Word of God is not too hard. It's not too far away. It's in your mouth, it's in your heart, so that you can do it. Say that with me. Do it. It's Good. Be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer only. Trying to teach our children that at the moment. My children are very good at hearing my commands, but not necessarily doing them as quickly as I want them to. (laughs) But we have to learn over a period of time, don't we, that whatever he says for us to do, we have to do it. Fourth and final thing, and these are all very simple, I know, but if you want the word of God to have its proper place in your life, then every time you read it and hear it, let it lead you to Jesus. Turn with me to John chapter 5. There are some weird and wacky and wonderful interpretations of the scriptures that you come across sometimes. But if they don't lead you to Jesus, then they're not real. The Bible is all about Jesus. When I read the word of God from beginning to end, it points me to Jesus. It doesn't even first and foremost point me to myself. It points me to him doesn't point me to Israel doesn't point me to some far off day doesn't point me to another group of people it points me to Jesus Christ and Jesus himself is quite clear that the bible is all about him <laughs> John chapter 5 and verse 39 you search the scriptures because you think that in them they have eternal in, in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have eternal life. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. But you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You know, you could develop a lifestyle where you're reading the Bible every day, you're confessing it, um, you're, you're using it to pray with, you're writing it on your walls, you're learning it off by heart, you're teaching it to your kids, and yet you could, part, you could ignore the central tenet of the Bible, which is this, that it's all about Jesus. This, this wonderful God that we heard of this morning when Lee was reading the Word of God to us from Revelation chapter 4 about the one who is sitting on the throne. And yeah. he, around him, all creation worships him and acknowledges that he and he alone is worthy to be praised. Amen. He is the one that you come to when you read the Bible. Right. Yeah. The Bible is living and active because God is living and active. Yeah. And whenever I read the Word of God, whenever it comes to me, I receive it as living because I know that he is living. The Bible is not an end in itself. It's not a means for me just to gain fact about spiritual knowledge. It reveals and points me and transforms me to be more like Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the only book you'll ever read where the author is with you and in you as you read it. Yeah. Unchanged from the very moment that he first spoke it. Yes. Amen. So learn to love and value the word of God. Yeah. Maybe this week you might have to Change some things in your life to spend some time in the word of God. Maybe you'll have to turn off the television, switch off the computer, put down the mobile phone. That's okay. You'll find that this word is, bears much more treasure than anything you could see or read on your TV screen. Let it form your thoughts and speech. You might have to change the way you think. You have to change the way you think about yourself, the way you think about God, the way you speak about yourself and about other people. Because if you can't find it in here about God, you can't say it about Him. And if you can't find it in here about you, you can't say it about yourself. You cannot say it about yourself. You might have to change some, some attitudes as you put the Word of God into practice. And you're going to be very excited as every time you receive the Word of God, it points you to Jesus. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Just as we finish then, turn with me to Psalm one I'm going to set you up for a fantastic week how many of you would like to fail in everything you do this week how many of you would like to fail in everything you do over the next three months back to school back to university back to work and I can I'll give you a guarantee today you can come and receive it from me and I, I can promise you you'll fail at everything How would you like that? Failure in your work, failure in your home, failure in your marriage, failure with your children. Anybody up for three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, a lifetime of failure? That's right. Good. (laughs) All people of sound mind this morning, how many of you would like to have a week of success and prosperity? Yeah? Would you like that? Yeah? There are no middle grounds, by the way, in God. He doesn't say choose life, death, or a middle path. He says choose life or death, choose life. Sometimes Christians think there's a middle way. The blessed, the wicked, and them. (laughs) No. It's either or with God. It's hot or cold. It's blessed or not. It's in Christ or out of Christ. So, would you like a successful and prosperous week this week? Would you like a successful and prosperous life? Right. There's many things you need to do, but I'm going to give you one thing to do this week. Let's read Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So here's a man who is blessed and succeeds in everything he does. In all that he does, he prospers. Notice again, not did. It's not in all he he did, he prospered. Or all he's going to do, he prospers. But right now, in the present tense, all he does prospers. And he is blessed. He wasn't blessed. It's not that he was blessed or that he will be blessed. He is blessed. Do you know why? Present tense again. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. If you will make the law of the Lord, if you will make the word of God your delight if you love it and value it and put it into practice and think about it and confess it, you can prosper in everything you do. Now, sometimes we think about prosperity and we reduce it down to um, financial success. Now, that's part of it, yes. But prosperity in the Bible t- it means success, advance, victory. How many of you would like an, a week of advance? A week of victory. A week of purpose a week of destiny, Amen. a life of overcoming, Amen. then delight yourself in the Word of God. Amen. Think about it and confess it. I yes. think that's really easy. Yeah, it is. Because as we read in G20 chapter 30, the Word's not far from you. Amen. It's near you so you can do it. In the story we read today, Peter put the Word of God into practice and he prospered. Amen. The psalmist describes a man who delights himself in the Word, meditating on it, and he prospers. You can live by the word of God as well and prosper. Amen. Allow the word of God its right place in your life. Put it into practice even when you face physical tiredness or practical inconvenience or personal disappointment or potential embarrassment. Why? Because as Peter found out, if you put the word of God into practice, no matter the circumstances, whatever God has said happens. Let's go back to Luke 5 just as we close. Jesus didn't give, just give Peter an instruction He gave him a promise. We'll just read one verse from the story as we finish. Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus didn't just give him an instruction. He guaranteed him what was going to happen when he did it. Put the nets down. And what's going to happen? You're going to get a catch. And what happened? Yeah, let's just check. What does the word say? Verse six. When they'd done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and the nets were breaking. Wow, Jesus told them to do something, and it worked. Jesus told them to do something, and it worked. You know, when Jesus tells you to do something, if you do it, it works. It works. So live your life at his word, not at your circumstances. You live your life at his words, not the words of those around you. 1 John chapter 5 says that if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. What that means is even when men tell you the facts as best as they can from their natural point of view, whatever God says, if, that's, um, if it's contradictory with that, whatever God says is true. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its living and active power, and we thank you that we're a people of your word. We love you, and we love your word, and we want to be those who respond to you at your word. Therefore, this week, I ask that you'd help us all find proper place in our hearts and minds for your word, that we would look to you and see you as a God who always performs what he promises, who keeps covenant forever, who never fails us or leaves us nor forsakes us, and that whatever you say to us, Lord, we can trust you, that you'll bring it about. Lord, you're faithful to your word. You're faithful to all your promises. Whatever you've promised, you're able to perform. So, Lord, for us this week, stir us afresh in hope that you are the God of your word. Cause us to love it, to live it, to communicate it well. Cause us to think about it and confess it, that in everything we do, we may prosper, Lord, and that you may be glorified in it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You've been listening to a message from All Nations Church Cardiff. To download other messages, subscribe to our podcast, or find out more about us, log on to www.allnationschurch.org.uk. Thank you.